Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Milmine, and this is episode 153, Octopodiversary. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 153 of the Shiny Bees podcast. Today is July the 24th, 2020, and it is the Octopodiversary of the Shiny Bees podcast. That is, it is the eighth anniversary of the podcast's start in South Africa. I'm Joe. I'm your host still, eight years later, here just about with you and if you're a new listener today wow welcome into the birthday party podiversary party and if you are a returning listener especially if you've been here since day one I love you like thank you for keeping on coming back hanging out with me with my random chat week after week and um in in between the times when the podcast isn't as regular as it you know it has been so yeah. Wow. Octopodiversary, eight years, which is forever on the internet. I said this in episode 152, which came out on Wednesday, I think it was. And um, yeah, it sort of crept up on me. I got a little bit confused. I thought it was the 24th of June initially, but it's not. It was the 24th of July when the first, the pilot episode came out in 2012. At that time, I was living in rural South Africa in Limpopo. The first, I think, 10 or 11 episodes are in Africa. There are a couple, no one from my list today for you from that era. Um, but yeah, I basically started my podcast in South Africa, in the middle of nowhere, the middle of wild at heart country with warthogs on the lawn and a snake called Billy the Boomslang in the garage and no idea what I was doing and really expensive, really slow internet that went off when it rained. Luckily, it didn't rain that much. And just a bit of an idea, really, to chat and share ideas and entertain people. And the show was sort of meandered from there into various different guises. You know, sometimes it's been a little bit more serious. Sometimes it's been utterly ridiculous. Sometimes we've had, like, perfume reviews off the internet as part of the comedy. Um, which is, you know, a bit crazy. I should probably bring those back. There's got to be some good ones about sunflowers, about the bouquets. Um, Interviewed some amazing people and had some really awesome opportunities and met some lovely, lovely listeners along the way, many of whom I consider to be proper mates now, proper friends. It still kind of blows my mind that I can be sitting in my spare room wherever I am, if I've got a spare room, I've not always had one, and be speaking to people literally all over the world, like that is proper bonkers. It's even more bonkers when you get to meet people from all over the world that you feel like you know, and to be able to kind of come back, to be welcomed into your busy lives week after week, and even some some dedicated folk who go back and re-listen to the back catalogue. I mean, wow. Flipping amazing. Although having listened to some of my back catalogue um, this week, that I'd completely forgotten because I had small children at the time. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad actually going back to that back catalogue. Some of the audio is a little bit ropey, I have to say. Like you laugh at it and you're like, wow, listen to that microphone. <laughs> not that I'm a total like super techie now and everything else, but the the sort of improvement as we've gone along has been really interesting as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a listener, for talking to me or for just hiding quietly in the wings and not saying anything, for accepting my flying hugs at yarn shows, for tagging me into comedy patterns, for just sending me a little note saying hi and that you enjoyed the show. I really appreciate it. I really do. I love talking to people. I love talking to listeners. Um, because I just wonder who you are right there, like listening to me and who I'm keeping company. It's just, I don't know. It's a bit weird, but I do. I like it. Especially when I'm driving a train with Marguerite. Like who'd have thought I would get to through my podcast virtually. I've obviously not been in the train yet. I hope I do get to go in the train. Driven the longest ore trains in the world in Australia. Like that is flipping cool, right? So yeah, eight years of the madness. And to celebrate that today, I have picked out my top eight episodes of the last eight years to share some bits of audio with you. So if you are new or you've not gone that far back in the catalogue, then these are some recommendations of where you could go. And if you have listened to the back catalogue, I mean, I was the person talking about this and I forgot I was chatted up by a four-year-old on a train, but apparently that happened. Like you could go back and treat yourself to a little little binge this weekend maybe and listen to some of these episodes again because some of them are five, six, seven years old. You you know, you, you're going to have forgotten about them. Um, I mean, I did, like I said, now I, I was there. So <laughs> I've put some of these together, some of my favourite parts to just, yeah, celebrate it, bring back some, some good old stuff, make you have a bit of a giggle, hopefully. And just, yeah, just... Yeah, eight years. Wow. So grab yourself a gin and tonic or a rooibos or whatever you want, really, and you're knitting, and we will crack on with the show. So choosing favourite episodes, it turns out, is a little bit like choosing favourite children. We all have them. We don't want to admit they're the favourites. And I do feel like I've definitely probably missed some really, really great episodes out of this list. But you can't have them all, right? You can't have them all. So I've picked these ones. Hopefully you'll enjoy them. Hopefully if you're not in that list, then, or your favourite isn't in that list, then you don't feel too left out. Um, But yeah, we, we shall see. See what you think, basically. So number one, my number one favourite episode of all time so far in the last eight years is episode number 36, which is called The One with the Circus Music and a Trip to New Lanark Mill. Obviously wasn't doing too much with the SEO in the titles back in episode 36, but basically this episode recounts a bit of calamity and they are my favourite episodes for sure. A bit of mild calamity, especially for the host, hostess, it just makes everyone happy. It does, you know, laughing at someone else's mild misfortune that they're obviously not too cut up about makes everyone feel good. Also, recounting the vast array of things you can find by the side of a motorway in the Northwest is also quite funny, it turns out. So 
you can stand by for this one and we have some audio from episode 36. And basically I had to walk down the side of the motorway and to one of the orange phones because I've never broken down on a motorway before. But in the UK we have these orange phones that are every a certain distance and you basically go and call them up and um, they, they, they come, well I never knew this, but they come and get you off the motorway for a fee, but they'll only pull you off the motorway and then leave you. So essentially they're pretty useless, um, but you have a, a finite amount of time to remove your vehicle from the carriageway because it's obviously the hard shoulders there for a reason. I mean it is for broken down vehicles, but generally it's sort of, you don't want anything in there. And you don't want to be in the car because they quite often get clipped by lorries. So I walked down the hard shoulder and it was probably four or five hundred metres away. On the way, I can only say was an array of random junk. Now, there's the usual things that you get by the side of the motorway. An odd shoe. Always an odd shoe in the hard shoulder. Nobody knows why. Sometimes you get a pair. How did they get there? How does the person that had them on not know that they've left them on the hard shoulder? Is that a place where you put shoes when you don't want them anymore? Is that where shoes go to die? Nobody knows, but they're always there. Have a look next time you're driving. I've driven many, many miles since I passed my test and trust me, there are loads of them. There was the obligatory blue wicked bottle with some blue wicked still in it and not urine. Uh, There was also a random dressing gown. Uh, and the most random object that I came across on my 500 metre walk on the limb interchange two green patio chairs one of which still appeared to be fully functional at what point do you think I don't want these patio chairs anymore because now I've only got one I'm going to get rid of them I know I'll wasm out the car on the limb interchange crazy so I spoke to the very nice guy and walked back basically Long story longer, we had to ring Johnny, our mate from the RSE, to come fetch the car. And, yeah, it, it was pretty dead. So he, he hooked us up to his um, his RSE van. And what I never realised about RSE vans is they're a transit van, but in the back, they've got this full-on trailer. It's like a transformer. It turns from just an ordinary RSE van with full of tools in the back, and it's sort of like... And... It turns into a ramp and your car goes on the back of that. It's really cool. So that's what happened. And he he dragged us all the way back to Wigan, to Arnold Clark, and uh, dropped us off. And I handed over the keys, rang my dad (laughs) to come get us, to take us to the railway station, to get a train to Rill. I don't know if you've ever been to Rill. We'll get on to Rill in a bit. But um, yeah, we ended up then because it was a 50 minute wait for the train to rail, sat in Wigan Central, the bar underneath the railway station that we'd planned to go and visit at some undetermined time in the future, having ourselves a pint and a pork pie, because that was the only food they did, and it was like four o'clock and we'd eaten nothing since breakfast. So we merrily went on our way. At this point, Gemma is still stuck in Chester on her own, waiting for us who have no car because it's completely knackered, who were on the train to Rill, not even going through Chester, um, trying to figure out what's going on. So luckily she managed to to get a train to Rill prior to us and ended up ended up hanging out in the car park with Steaders in, in Morrison's car park, <laughs> waiting for us to arrive. 
Knitting still does get me in quite a bit of trouble, I have to say. <laughs> do you love an adventure? Do you love being stuck on the side of the motorway? Still got that bloody car as well. It's been crashed into a couple of times since then, but the engine that they put in to replace the one that blew up was and has been fully functional since, which is pleasing. On to number two, which is episode number three, The C Word. And I can't remember whether I was talking about crochet or Christmas, but we are talking about the C word in this one. And I really enjoyed it because it was one of my first plays with the idea of a pattern pick, which became a really big part of the podcast thereafter. And um, I, it, I just made, it made me giggle listening to the sound effects on it. I was trying so hard, bless me, like with my sound effects. And yeah, like I said, the first foray into pattern picks. So here we go with episode number three. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 3 of the China Bees podcast, The C Word. Today is Sunday the 9th of September. Coming up in today's show we'll be discussing The C Word, there'll be the Whipping Piccadilly section, the South Africa section and we'll talk about the Big Five. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the greatness of that theme tune? That was the old theme tune, my husband wrote that for me. He was dead proud of it. It breaks his heart every day when he listens to the podcast and it isn't his theme tune anymore. He is great, by the way. Amazing. He listens to this, so I've got to say that. But really, he's awesome. Inspired by the Kruger visit, I decided that we needed a knitting big five. In one of my comedy moments, I decided that why why do we not review knitting big five so you'll hear me flash my notes a little bit now i went to the pattern selection in ravelry to the search function and decided yeah why don't we have a look at the knitting big five so for your listening pleasure and possibly (laughs) questionably your viewing pleasure if you could go and check out these patterns on ravelry here is the shiny bees knitting big five Obviously, if you want to hear the whole of that pattern pick, you're going to need to take yourself over to episode three and have a listen there. I will put links to all these episodes in the show notes for you. Number three, then, my third top, my top three favourite episode is an interview episode. And it's one that I did fairly early on. It was a pretty big deal to me because this designer hadn't done any interviews prior to doing this one with me. And I, I'm a long-time fan of her work and I thought she's awesome and was really excited to chat to her. Um, The interview is with Kate Davies and it's called Making It as a Knitwear Designer, an interview with Kate Davies. And she has some really cool, smart ideas. She doesn't sound at all like you think because she's a northerner. She's not actually Scottish. So that's a little bit of a kind of confusion when you just expect her to have this little wee lovely Scottish lilt and she's a full up. I think she's from Rochdale. So she's full up northern and really smart lady. And I really enjoyed this interview. Full disclosure, I nearly completely porked this one because I had my old old laptop still got that laptop actually my mother-in-law gave it to me and it used to get really hot because I'm like I'm not that person that files things in files on a computer I just scatter them everywhere and use the search function that's what it's for as long as I use a sensible naming function I'll be able to guess what I named something 
fine, right? Apparently not. So um, the fans were going like the clappers and I didn't realise till after the episode that it had a ton of background noise and I had to basically beg the podcasters of the UK to help me fix it because I had no idea how to get this horrible fan noise out. So that was a lesson for me, like don't press on, get your environment right when you're going to going to make a podcast especially if it's someone that's never agreed to one before and you're proper starstruck like don't cock it up joe but it got fixed um certainly well enough to hear it properly and luckily it was only on my side of the audio and not on kate's but here's a little snippet from episode 34 well so i, I started blogging in in 2007 um which actually was quite late for a lot of knit bloggers. And certainly when I started blogging, there were an awful lot of knitting blogs around, um, far more than there are now. Um, yes, I miss some of the old ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, uh, in 2010, I, I had a stroke, uh, a very serious stroke, and I was, I was paralysed on my left side. Um, and I, it was suggested to me that it was going to be very difficult for me to go back and work in a demanding academic job uh, because of my mobility issues and issues with my balance and my hearing and so on. Um, so I, I had to have the inevitable conversation about what I was then going to do with my life. And I just said to the occupational therapist, well, I, th- I think I'll just sell knitting patterns. You know, I'd already released a couple of patterns, uh, but not certainly never thinking that this is what I'm going to have to do uh, to make a living. So, but that's, that's what I did. Um, and the business kind of grew slowly because I was having to spend a lot of time focusing on my recovery um but as I have recovered the business has grown and it's it's still growing now and it's now in the um you know I'm now a small publisher I've got two books two knitting books published and I can combine I suppose the things I really enjoyed about academia which is the uh the research and the writing with the other stuff that I used to enjoy as a hobby which is the uh, knitting and the designing so yeah it's the best of both worlds, really. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that comes through, I think, in your books in particular, is that research aspect. It's something that stood out for me in Yokes, is the depth that you've gone into in looking into the story behind the designs of uh, that you've just chosen to kind of feature. Yeah, well, that's, that's very important to me. Um, I think there's no point doing something unless you understand the background <laughs> behind it. And uh, uh, knitting is historically, I think, as been under investigated and under documented and there are so many amazing things to find out about it I don't think I'll ever stop learning new things and, and finding out new things or or ever lose that appetite for discovering you know new things about knitting um yeah I really love the research and and I, I really enjoy writing which I know a lot of people don't do but um yeah that, to me that is just pure pleasure really so number four then is another interview episode that is a favorite I always, I've interviewed this person twice and I always really enjoy interviewing and talking to this person about knitting because she's super smart, knows tons and tons of stuff and just, she's just really sensible and committed to making a great product regardless of, you know, maybe like the more super businessy hardcore monetary aspects or commercial aspects or whatever like her products are always really really beautifully done and her commitment to recording history and women's history and fashion history 
I think is really commendable and it's done in a really good way that makes it a pleasure to kind of look at a product. That's why I bang on about them so much. And we're actually friends now. It's, you know, again, amazing friends that you get through the podcast. Um, so my number four episode is episode number 55. This is Vintage Shetland Project, an interview with Susan Crawford. And in this one, it is before the publication of the book and when she was gearing up to do the crowdfunder for the book. Loads of stuff happened between that and the book coming out, which you can hear about in a later episode interview with Susan after the fact, um, when the book had been published and we were talking about some stuff on there. But in this one, I just, I really loved her attitude and you can the enthusiasm for the projects and the books that she's written really shines through, as does her enthusiasm for fashion and knitwear. So episode 55 yeah i think because we're in a creative well we we consider ourselves in a creative um area maybe some maybe sometimes we're a bit reluctant to to acknowledge that we need to also be practical and sensible over over the money side it's something that we don't really want to think about maybe um, and I think that's a big, big mistake. It really is. Hey, it's, it, over the years, I have realised how I have approached it purely from one direction and not from the other. And to run a business of any type, be it a creative enterprise or a non-creative enterprise, you have to think of all the different bits. And if you want to do this for a living, you have to be in charge of the the monetary side as well as the creative side yeah absolutely but then you know finances is, is a part of life isn't it and I think sometimes we get quite excited about something and we know people will love it and we just want to get it out there for people and it's very easy to get swept up oh yes I'm, I'm probably more guilty of that than anybody to be honest with you because certainly none of neither of the stitching time books or the vintage Shetland project ever set out in any way to be commercial and um, that's it's not what comes into my head at all when I set about doing a, a, a project of this size I mean volume one took two years to write volume two took three years to write vintage Shetland is up to now took taken over four years to write so the they're not really what you would consider to be commercial projects, but it's trying to find a way, I suppose, of, of making them viable and still being able to do them because um, you could not approach a publishing house with something like Stitching Time Books or Vintage Shetland Project and expect them to support it when you know it's going to take years and years of work and potentially, you know, cost so much to produce so whilst I'm saying you have to be in charge of the monetary side of things I think what for me has been a real challenge is finding a way of making what basically aren't commercial projects somehow work for me so that I can still I can still do them because I think this side of knitting history is really really important it's also women's history it's social history it's you know, it's it's intertwined with everyday life and it's a story that needs to be told. So I, I really I really feel it's important 
to be able to to do what I do. But I say at the same time, I know that re- if I'm realistic, I know I can't I can't do it any other way than the way that I'm doing it, which is not the most financially sensible. So we're now at the passing the halfway point. So number five, then my next most favourite episode is episode number thirteen, the cat in the hat. This is one of my funnier episodes, I have to say. I, I was literally crying whilst writing and recording this um, from sheer joy. Yes, it does involve cats looking stupid. You know that's a favourite of mine. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm catist. I'm not sorry either. I don't like the buggers. And anything that makes them look or feel stupid is good, in my opinion. So it's a little bit anti cat. Um, the 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 actual subject matter is not that anti cat. It's just funny that the cats look so annoyed. Um, but this is episode number thirteen, the cat in the hat. This is where it starts to get really funny. I really enjoyed this pattern pick because I mean the turkeys. You'd be surprised. It's like six pages of turkey patterns. Who would have thought it? A lot of them are actually really similar as well. Don't let the copyright police see them. Whatever you do, because it'll all be kicking off on Ravelry. But anyway unrelated i will keep out of that political quagmire um as i was looking through the turkey patterns another seemingly unrelated pattern caught my eye and i thought someone has been going mad with the tagging again and when you'll you'll google something completely innocent and you know a, a knitted willy will come up or something like that that wasn't the case this time but this was seemingly unrelated till i looked at the title of the pattern properly and it was called is called the International Cat Hat, Turkey. As in the country, not the bird. But Turkey it was, so fair enough, fair play, by Stacey Marr. This is a free pattern. I'm, I can't, I can't, you'll probably hear me laughing already because I'm smiling, thinking about what I'm going to say now. <laughs> um, this is a free pattern for a knitted fez for a cat. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the the picture on the project page is a, is of a ginger, a stripy ginger cat, wearing, <laughs> looking more than a little bit sinister. The blurb, I, I just loved. I just love this. The whole idea. The blurb simply says, "What cat doesn't need a fez." I'm just like, well, well, most of them, probably, judging by your cast face. <laughs> and uh, 53 projects on Ravelry. Not all of them have done a fez for a cat. Some people have made, like, miniature fezzes. Is that even the right plural, fezzes? Miniature fezzes for themselves, for, like, fancy dress and things. Some people have made multiple versions for their friends' cats. And... Clearly, we always get it in there. There is one token dashund in a fez. Why is it always dashunds? I feel really sorry for them. They look daft anyway, but it, they just seem to be one of those breeds that people decide to dress up in random, random stuff. And this time it was it was a fez. Now, this was awesome enough by itself. I got a lot of value out of this. I'm still laughing at it now. Um, but then I realised that that wasn't the only cat hat pattern that she's done. She's done a little Santa hat, which would be, you know, for next month, that'd be amazing. She's done a little cowboy hat. Uh, she's done a balaclava. 
ever for a cat. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you see the picture, you'll see what I mean. It's got ear holes so that the ears can stick out. <laughs> but then it's got like a one big eye hole. Uh, and this cat's face is just just squashed into the eye hole. I can't believe I've got this balaclava on. It, 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 the face hold, it's just, it's just amazing. It's so, so funny. So funny. Um, but my number one favourite hat that she's done is called My Pimp Paw is Strong. <laughs> Which is a purple crocheted pimp hat. Complete with a zebra print band uh, and a white feather. Um... And if that wasn't enough, because it is awesome, it's that stereotypical pimp. Uh, but she's also got on some some crocheted bling. It's, it's got cat bling on. Crocheted cat bling in yellow fur for a cat. It's just... It's just brilliant. I'm not sure at what point you think my cat needs a hat of any description. Um, clearly, Dr. Seuss, cat in the hat. Jim, I required cat in the hat. Um cat cat in the hat um yeah speechless what amazes me more is that they can actually get the cats to sit still and, and wear them long enough to take a picture because that's not the impression i get of cats generally cats tend to take themselves extremely seriously which is why you get lots of comedy dogs in in sweaters because they just they just stand there going oh i'll sit still for you i love you whereas cats are a bit more really i look ridiculous are you joking fetch my dinner peasant which is why i don't have a cat apart from being allergic and uh, i've no idea they've gotten to sit still for that long <laughs> it's, it's amazing but really really comedy pictures uh, to be seen on that so in the event that you need a fez a balaclava or indeed a pimp hat for your cat or indeed anyone else uh, check those ones out so number six then i loved episode 13 but number six on my list of my top eight episodes of the last eight years is episode number 51 still got it clearly i've still got it now i definitely still had it then and in this episode i basically end up getting chatted up by a four-year-old and invited to a birthday party who'd have thought it eh and i do wonder where little james is now because this was five years ago like he'd be nine now um, maybe he's having another birthday party at like Ninja Warrior or something that I could go to as well. And I really want to know what happened to Bet Bet. Like I reckon like hashtag find Bet Bet. We could find Bet Bet. Bet Bet's amazing. As you're about to hear. So this is episode 51. I got, for some unknown reason again, the half past five train to Edinburgh. And... Um, it's not a pleasant time to be getting on a train that. It's just, just a bit too early. You know, if you got, I've got a train at half six, it would be just so much more civilised because you're getting up at a time that isn't starting with a four. Um, But I got on the train and went on my merry way, slept a little bit, well, sort of dozed for a little bit. And when I got to Dundee, a little family got on the train. So at first I thought it was a mum and two children and then it transpired it was a mum, a dad and two children. And I have two children, as you know, so I wasn't really particularly bothered about the children sitting near me. Um, but when it became apparent there was four of them, I offered to move because 
traveling with children is not pleasant at the best of times and their life would be so much easier if they could all sit together but when your children are under six you don't get a reservation on the train only people who actually buy a ticket get reservations which is faintly bonkers they should at least allow you if you're going to be traveling with children to book a seat i mean what are you going to do with them otherwise um so this terribly polite family spent ages telling me that i didn't need to stand up and you know they would all sit up sit separately and i i was just like look i have children it's fine really i've been on the train for hours anyway it makes no difference to me it's just me on my own and if i have to stand up you know what that's fine and uh, they all sat down in the meantime before the conversation had started i was entertaining the children whilst the parents were busy trying to stow all the bags and everything else and uh, Obviously, the little boy involved took a bit of a shine to me as a result of my over-exuberance about an orange lifeboat on the Tay and proceeded to basically chat me up the entire rest of the way to Edinburgh, including such choice things as showing me his new magazine that he'd got and telling me how old he was and asking me which house I lived at, uh, culminating in... uh, Well, the penultimate thing was... He spotted me knitting and he said, are you knitting? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, oh, Bet Bet teaches my mummy to knit. (laughs) At which point I I piped back, oh, is Bet Bet any good? And he looked at me with a really serious face and he went, Bet Bet's really good at knitting. And and then he turned around to his mum and he's like, mummy, write this this address down. And it turned out it was his birthday party two weeks later. He was going to be five. And he wanted to invite me to Muddy Boots, uh, which I know what Muddy Boots is because obviously I used to live near Dundee and it's kind of like an outdoor sort of play area cafe type thing. And he invited me to Muddy Boots for his birthday if I wasn't working. And it was up to me. I could either uh, watch or play. So... (laughs) I had to make some excuses um, about that I might be, you know, might be busy and only if there's enough space. But if I don't come, then he must have a really good time. Anyway, he was a very sweet boy. And they got off eventually in Edinburgh afterwards. And I was, I'd already met up with um, Isla and Hannah. And I was stood in the middle of the concourse of Edinburgh, Waverley. And this little kid comes across his family. At which point I obviously stop and shout across the sort of the plaza, if you will, the, the big part where the um, where all the boards are. I'm, I'm shouting, James, James, hi, look, these are my friends, which he absolutely loved. Um, and yeah, it was obviously, obviously still got it, chatted up on the train, got invited to a party. Might have been a five-year-old, but you know, still got it. So... Um, That was just a funny kind of start to what was indeed a comedy weekend, which involved, uh, but was not limited to, yarn, real ale, signing Leona from Fluff's boobs with a sharpie, trapping my own hair in a hairdryer and having to have it cut out, and uh, a a mirror falling off the wall in the apartment and uh, setting the tap on to full blast randomly, which was uh, more than a little scary. Not quite as scary as the hairdryer incident, I'm not going to lie. So yeah, three quarters of the way through now and probably about eight hours of listening's pleasure for you so far if you go back and listen to all those episodes. But we'll press on with ep- uh, number seven of my top 
eight episodes. This is episode 118, which I mentioned, I think, in the last episode as well, actually. It's called British Wool Labelling and Sourcing with Joy McMillan of The Knitting Goddess. Um, Knitting Goddess yarns were one of my first yarns that I got into when I got into hand-dyed, and I've always liked joy's work in her dyeing especially she had a load of terry pratchett colorways that i absolutely loved she's a delight she's really good fun really witty really smart lady and i like her commitment to using local wools and spinning some of her own yarns to use her brit sock yarn is amazing really really lovely blend so definitely check that out and it was, I wasn't sure what to expect so I was expecting it to be quite a chatty episode and it was a very chatty episode but it got like really interesting and debatey really quickly, not in a horrible way, in a great way. Like she's a really smart lady. That's what I would expect when two smart ladies get together for sure. Um, but yeah, in this one, she talks all about her commitment to moving towards more, more local walls and um, really celebrating that and the welfare and everything else that goes along with it. But she can tell you more about that and about how you can make sure that you are asking the right questions about your yarn if that's something that you want to prioritize in your yarn choices so this is episode 118 got your number and it is british wool labeling and sourcing with joy mcmillan and it is something that people are getting more interested in and are spending more time finding out about these things and you've talked a lot about doing that research and figuring out where stuff is coming from and the backstory um, but a lot of people listening probably don't know where to start with that. So how did you get into that when you decided you were going to move away from these overseas spun yarns and move a lot closer to local stuff, UK-based stuff? Where did you start figuring, learning about all of this stuff and getting that information from? Um, we started asking them. We started asking the mills we were dealing with, and we were really, really lucky in that we had good good relationship with John Arbin mm -hmm. um who is lovely and who spins our bit sock and hopefully who will always spin our bit sock but there is a good wool industry in Yorkshire mm -hmm. and things are local and stuff comes in from all over but the thing that kind of really made me think about it was realizing how far something had traveled to come back for no reason yeah, and that's why something like you, know, like you say you would buy Falkland yarn, and I'd completely support that because there's so many good reasons to do it. And I think because it's such a quality pro product, you see it labelled as Falkland yarn, mm. and that's fab because if you buy Falkland wool, you know what you're buying. Yes, and that's great. You know, you've made that informed decision, and as you say, you know, they don't dip the sheep. There's very few pesticides and stuff used. It's a fantastic model. And it would be great to see more of that in the UK as well. So there's no one perfect thing. Mm -hmm. I think if you're buying yarn, you buy, I think your first line is speak to the person who, who dyed it. So go and ask the person who stood there behind a the stall, where did it come from? And if they don't know, that would ring alarm bells to me because there is a lot of crap out there. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, then the odds are your yarn could have come from anywhere. You know, we get daily emails from people in China going, oh, we have all this amazing stuff, please buy it. 
that's not yarn that I want anything to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's a welfare issue. You know, I think animal welfare matters. You know, things should be treated well. And if you're buying something at ultra cheap prices from the other side of the world, you don't have that comfort. Whereas the UK farming industry isn't perfect, but there are standards in place. And the same with Falkland wool. Again, there are standards in place that protect those animals. So I would say go and speak to the people or ask them online. People who care about where their stuff from will be delighted to bore you to death on the subject, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, and people who don't know, I think it's probably time that we all took a bit more responsibility and we actually cared about what we were putting into dye pots and selling to people. Love that episode. I love how Joy isn't frightened to have the difficult conversations. She's brilliant. Anyway, number eight. The last in my top eight, but by no means least in my top eight by any any stretch of the imagination, is episode 120. This is called Rusty Ferret with Leona Jane of Fluff. And I, I wouldn't like to say I had favourites in the yarn world, but I do, and Leon is one of them. So <laughs> she is absolutely bloody brilliant as a person. Just she is such a big personality. She every room you go in, I feel like for me personally, she just she's just a massive, you know, ball of energy. She's just so positive and fun and just such a huge personality. I love her. Like I, she's just so much fun. She's so much fun. One of my absolute favourite people. So, so pleased to call her a pal of mine. And she is my big wee pal. She's definitely my big wee pal because she's taller than me by about a foot. <laughs> like I'm at boob height, basically, to Leona. And she's 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 just fantastic. I, I, I don't have enough positive things to say about her. And she'll be sat there now going, Oh, Shaney, shut up! In a proper Scottish accent and not my fake despite having Scottish heritage, bad Scottish accent. You know, my accents are terrible. I've been trying to do them for eight years now and I'm still crap at it. Anyway, made for girders. Made for girders. I can't do it. I can't roll my eyes. I so wish I was more Scottish. Anyway, <laughs> so excited by the old back catalogue. It's cheered me. No, I wasn't, didn't need cheering up, but it's just, it's just lifted my spirits so much listening to old stuff um, that I made. That uh, and thinking about Leona, actually, she makes me giddy just thinking about her. She's just such a fantastic person. You should definitely check out Rusty Ferret Yarns because it will make you a fantastic person too. But here she is with um, episode one twenty. So I I sold my old phone for fifty quid and bought fifty quid's worth of blank yarn and some dye, and that is pretty much where Rusty Ferret started. Um, and yeah loved it I didn't realize how much I would love it it started as a necessity but actually it was what I needed to kind of um reinvigor my love for the business if that makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah so that's that's where Rusty Fert started and why Rusty Fert started um yeah but that's really cool that I mean like you said oh you don't want it to be like a, a kind of a self-pitying story or anything but it just shows no. you like you can take something and just go you know what I'm just going to give this a bash and literally start with nothing yeah and... well 
I had this, um, I remember talking to my friend Morag and Mark, my now husband, and um, I don't know why I said that like that. It's just really odd to call him my husband nowadays. <laughs> so bizarre. Um, I remember sitting in the living room talking about it and how it was going to work and try to convince myself that it would work. So I would just talk it over and over and over and over again with anybody that would listen. And um, I had this pyramid scheme in my head, but upsides down. <laughs> so like I would start off with my my 50 quids worth of blank yarn and sell it and then like double it and then it would just kind of spread out like a pyramid scream so in the end I would be like a millionaire basically was my plan (laughs) not a millionaire no but it it, like you reinvest in your profits it's not really a pyramid scheme because they're kind of a little bit dodgy yeah I know let's not call it something dodgy let's call it what it is you reinvest in your profits into your business to make more money and then the, yeah. the, the amount will grow as you as you buy and sell more yarn obviously there'll be yeah. more profits and then it will grow outwards so it'll kind of it'll bloom rather than pyramid upside I'm down pyramid my, i'm sticking with my pyramid scheme i know you're crazy um you know which is a solid a solid way to get started it shows you can yeah. you can i mean are you going to have the economies of scale and everything straight away? No, but it shows you you can get started by selling an old phone and and cracking on from there with it. Yeah. Um, which is really I was inspiring. Of, I was kind of amazed at how well it worked. I, I'm I'm very much a, a pessimist and a doom and gloomer. And um, I it's same as the shop. The shop was going to be open for a week and I was going to be closed. And what? Well, it's coming up for Fluff's fourth birthday. Mm-hmm. Jesus. But yeah, so I didn't. I had no expectations of Rusty Ferret taking off like what it did. Um, it was quite scary, quite weird. It's still quite weird. Because like, you look at people like the Countess and the Travel Knitter and, you know, you kind of hold them on a pedestal almost. And it's weird when people treat you like that. Mm. Does that sound big headed? I didn't mean that to sound big headed. But, <laughs> you know, when people, no, but when people speak to you and you're just like, but I'm just me. And it's the same like Helen and Lindsay. They're just them. But you kind of create this kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But yeah. People are appreciating your art. Before you were selling yarn, and that's cool. But you've actually like made this yarn. More creativity gone into it. Yeah, I feel like it's it's like a part of me. I could have totally gone to Duncan of Jordanson. Um, It's like a part of me. And I feel like with every colorway, I'm putting out a part of me into the universe. Mm-hmm. Don't put that. <laughs> I am. I'm going to have to because it's funny. It's so, so, so arty, you know? Could it, could it, I totally could have rocked Duncan Johnson art school. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Got the chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you are turbo creative, though. I have to say this about you. Like, you are one of the most creative people I know. Behave. Totes. Like, even more so than than the beast and she is turbo creative you are i don't know i creative. think she's i think she's gone for it mm. she's got a sewing machine in your shop yeah totally it was my my put in the bargain bin <laughs> <laughs> that's how off. you become creative it, it's how it works in dundee you mm. put it in a box and there you go there you go see what i mean there's just no way to not love her she's flipping brilliant um so that is leona jane or rusty ferret the feather so yeah that's all eight of the episodes that i had picked out for you for the eight year october anniversary and 
yeah, what a ride it has been. I've really, really enjoyed going back through some old episodes and rediscovering bits of audio that I'd forgotten I'd even created and stories that I forgot had even happened. All through, you know, like recording a podcast and being able to kind of come back to it literally years later and be like, oh, do you remember when, you know, we nearly got wiped out on the limb interchange and and all that kind of stuff. And the funny thing is, is like some of it now I look back and I, I kind of laugh at some of the audio and like the echoey or the, the air con going in the background or whatever else. But I would never change that. I could. I've, I've got all the old garage band files because I've, I've ripped them out to to make this episode I could go back and I could fix all of those I could make the audio nice on those or improve it you know make it a little bit better make the, the quality a little bit higher so it doesn't sound like you're underground in the water uh, underwater with the the music but I kind of feel like that would be taking away some of the story and I'm a big story person as you know and there was a very good reason why those episodes were the way they were and a lot of it was to do with you know bandwidth of the of the internet where I lived and making it accessible so people could download it because it the internet was very expensive in South Africa at, at that point and wasn't you know everyone was still using Blackberries you know the iPad had only been out for two years they, we didn't have I you know like Apple watches or any of that guff like we had none of that you know I was literally using a Blackberry didn't even have Instagram that's how long ago we're talking, you know, forever in internet years. Um, and I just feel like if I did go back and kind of remove the roughness, it would remove part of the charm and the story and the journey from going to, from knowing nothing, not being, I'm still not an audio engineer. I know enough to make it sound nice, but I'm, I'm certainly by no means an audio engineer you know, through all of that learning process that happened really organically. Like I never took a course on podcasting. I taught myself everything I needed to know and just tried stuff, just experimented and tried stuff, which is what we do in knitting a lot of the time. You know, there are no hard and fast answers. You do sometimes have to wing it and try things, even with a pattern, even with guidance, you still put your own mark on things. It's still part of your own creativity. You still choose your own yarns and it's still your own tension. Even if you use the yarns that are called for and you follow the pattern to the letter, it's still your hands making. It's still something that is different to everyone else who will have made it, you know? And I feel like that that is the same with the podcast really. So it's going to be interesting where to go from here. I've spent basically all day doing this when I was supposed to be building a website for my podcasting stuff because I'm I'm most of the way through writing a book on it and I'm I'm just so super grateful to podcasting for everything it's given me and I want to help other people do it too because it's really not that hard like if I can figure it out in the ass end of nowhere in Africa like it's not it's not impossible for anyone else to do it and I feel like there's so many more stories out there that need to be heard and it doesn't matter how big your audience is or what you're talking about if you've got something you want to say then you can do that through podcasting and I think we should I think we should I just love it I love the idea of being able to be anywhere in the world in someone's ears and keeping them company and making friends and being inspired and getting ideas 
it's all really good. It's been a super positive experience for me, which is why, you know, um, I'm starting podcasting Unpacked and I'm going to put all of that knowledge and experience down so that I can help other people. Because I'm like, the minute I find out someone's starting a podcast, I'm like, yeah, you could do this, you could do that, do that. And get it done, get it out there into the world and sharing your messages and your stories or whatever else you want to do. Especially now, especially at the moment, especially with everything that's been going on over the last kind of four months. The podcast again has been a way for me, isolated in my little house instead of isolated in my little bungalow in Africa. It's been a way of reaching out and talking to people, other people who are isolated as well. And a lot of it has just been general chit chat. There's no knitting shows. Like there's, everyone's a little bit got their head up their ass. Like no one knows what's going on. But it's just been a way of, you know, checking in with people. And you've appreciated it because you've told me. And I've appreciated just being able to have that little bit of time to kind of share with all of you, really. Um, so yeah, where does where does the podcast go from here? I'm not sure. There's going to be some more interviews for sure. I, I enjoy the chat. And other than that, I've got no plans as yet. Definitely, if you have some requests, then let me know. Definitely keep your eyes out for Podcasting Unpacked because that is that is a thing that is happening. The book is happening. It was in the website was supposed to be live by today, but we can't, you know, you can't do everything. The world happens, life happens and we'll, it'll get out. It'll come into the world when it's ready. So yeah, super, super excited. So from me, from my lovely little knitted, cold, dead, wooden, northern heart, it's not cold, dead or wooden, clearly you can tell it's not, but from me to you, thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me for the last eight years. I super appreciate it. And you know, goodness me, we could even get another eight years out of this podcast yet, who knows, but have a lovely week, my friends. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Happy crafting. And I will speak to you again soon. Cheers. been listening to the Octopodiversary episode of the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found on the website at shinybees.com forward slash 153. And we'll be back again next week with episode 154. I feel a need to laugh again with you if that's alright.